All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Wonderful Being podcast. My name is Catherine Barnes, and I am really, really excited today because I have three people with me here who are involved in one of the San Diego Fringe shows that I am most excited about because it is called On the Spectrum. And anybody who follows my podcast knows that I'm also on the spectrum. So I'm really excited to be supporting autistic folks creating theater. We've got Blaze Berry, we've got Mary Beth Berry, and we've got Tyree Rowell, who is the director. Hey, welcome to the show. And um, first of all, I'll just open it up for anyone who wants to tell me about this show. Mary Beth? (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having us. We're really excited to be here. And um, basically, the show was born out of our experience, Blaze and mine, our experience of Blaze being diagnosed with autism at 12, if I'm right, 11 or 12. Mm -hmm. And um, because I am a theater artist and a theater professor, and Blaze has found that his outlet is also in theater, it felt relatively organic to say, well, let's create a piece about our experience navigating what it's like to be on the spectrum as well as what it's like to be a parent of a child who is on the spectrum. And so that's 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 where it where it came from. And I can let Blazer Tyree take the next stab at what it's about and that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and what I go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, and what I've said is, and I've told folks is, uh, even some of the folks at at, uh, my graduate community, is that you know this is real, as real as it can get. It can't get any realer than this, and this is truly something I have uh, thoroughly enjoyed. I've I've known uh, Mary Beth and, and and Blaze for feels like over 15, 16 years now. I I knew him when he was like. I think it was like one and a half. So to see him grow into uh, um, this young man that he is, is truly um, an inspiration to be a part of this project. Awesome. I love it. So it's kind of, it's kind of all in the family here. Um, So, so Blaze, how did you get started with theater? Like what's, what was your first theater experience? Okay. So um, my, actually my first theater experience was with um, mom and it was what was it was it Peter Pan and Wendy I think it was or no was it yeah it was it was Peter Pan and Wendy and um, yeah it was kind of just I before um, getting involved with theater I never I was I had a lot of stage fright I mean I still do have some of that but it's I, it's easier to overcome now um, but uh, yeah I just kind of they they were down one person, someone didn't show up or something like that. And so I was like, I'll do it. Sure. And then, yeah. And then I've been doing theater pretty much ever since what was that like 11? No, that was that 2017. Yeah. Yeah. 10. You were like 10. Yeah. 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 He jumped in and we were shocked because he was always super reverse. Like you said, he had stage fright. So he would like, play around for years and Tyree knows because he's been there and play around for years and get up on the stage and you know our students would be like hey late and the minute that would happen he would like book off the stage he wouldn't want to know part of being the center of attention so when we agreed to do it we were like okay it was a lost boy I think he had like four lines we were like okay and he got on that stage and Tyree can attest to this we were like he was better than the majority of our students he was just so naturally 
like in the moment and, and actively listening and all the things that you know I work on with my students. You've got to actively listen. You need to make sure you're still in the scene and not doesn't he was there. And so um, from there, he did another show with us because we did two children's shows that year. We did House at the Corner as well. So we were in that. Um, but then he went into, we're from uh, Columbia, South Carolina, and we found a youth theater program there. And he went, and I'm going to brag, he went and auditioned. And the very first thing he auditioned for was Aladdin Jr. And he got Aladdin. So, yay. yay. And but, but from that, I know we were so proud, but from that, he's continued to do more youth theater. He, um, He's done, uh, you got to, actually during the pandemic, they did a virtual um, uh, screening at Columbia Children's Theater at the Outsiders and he got to play Pony Boy. And so that was really exciting for him. He's done a lot of musical theater and then he's done, you know, um, gosh, I don't know, he's done competitions. He's done a lot of stuff. He's done a lot of stuff. The SCSD, I don't know, it was a competition thing. The SCSD, speech and theater festival so he's done a lot of theater and it was uh and we found it to be the outlet that he most um enjoys and gravitates towards awesome very nice yeah no I've, I've found it to be a similar thing for me as well so I can definitely relate there so here's my next question and um this is kind of for everybody what is it like to be working on a show like as members of a family and then also what's it like to be directing a family in a show and i'll let you guys go in whatever order you want to talk in so i think the um one issue that i had when while when I, I, yeah when we were doing this show, um, there was a lot of conflict between me and mom. And that, at least for me, that kind of seeped into the process of creating this show. And yeah, so we had a lot of sit down, we had to talk and like, <laughs> figure out what was going on so we can continue actually working on the show. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, he's right. I mean, I think that um, it's hard to delineate between, okay, we're doing a show and this is, this, you know, the show must go on, we're on the stage. Yes, it's about our lives and that's the thing, it's about our life, it's about, but it doesn't matter, it's still a show. So we're trying to, you know, separate that and keep that level of professionalism and yeah, there's been struggles when you get mother, son, and we're not happy with each other and just, you know, not wanting to work together and, and not being able to work, you know, in any other setting with other actors, you just put aside your differences and you keep going. It's, it is infinitely harder to do that when you are, uh, when the dynamic is just so, so, so close and so tight. And the, the topic is, so personal. It's not like we're doing some other show. No, no, no. This is still dialogue that we've actually had before, or you know, emotions that we that are still very real, and you know, uh, resentment, animosity, frustration, love, compassion. All of those things that we have are there on a daily basis. So, if there's conflict, it makes it fun, and then Tyree has to step in and and and, and mediate. <laughs> Which it feels like I've done quite a bit of mediation. Um, <laughs> okay. 
but it, it's true that everything they're saying that's why it's as real as it can get there is there is no other way to create you know theater in this way because these are personal stories they're just harder to navigate because we want that to be authentic we want people to realize that hey this is a these are real uh, emotions that Mary Beth stated all, all the things that are surrounding this that are that are within us and that we're trying to to show that to you but also help you understand that we understand this is a this is this is theater and we have to show you a, a performance so it's been it's been very challenging i mean even before we left we were you know, to come to San Diego, we were we were challenging ourselves a little bit on on a few things and had to kind of go. OK, we got We got a show <laughs> that we have to do in like three days. So, you know, so but there's there's truly this. Um, and sometimes that's even difficult for me um, because I am this a part of this family. This is they're part of my family. And so navigating, you know, being a part of a family, but sometimes you, you know, family has its own, you know, struggles and things of that nature. And sometimes you have to tell people, listen, enough's enough. Let's get it, let's get it over and done with, you know, and that's where we are. So I, I think we've come a long way since um, 2020, you know, uh, you know, when we first did this yeah. show, especially because we did it in the middle of the, the pandemic, we were virtual um uh, with this show but it's, it's evolved over time um we talked about that uh, recently that you know doing something that was virtual is totally different from putting on something that's in person because a lot has changed we've we've evolved even their conversations have evolved what has happened has evolved so you know you know the the pandemic brought us closer what did that do to you know to them as a family you know and so we we wanted to make sure we still got that experience out there um, for our viewers. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, I think that's the other thing is that when we proposed this show, it was back in 2019, it was right after we got diagnosed. So the idea and the experience was completely different when we kind of crafted it and did it in 2020 from 2019. And then of course the pandemic hit. So then we did it virtually. So it was a completely different show. And now to revisit it in 2022, it's literally a, in so many ways a completely different show. I mean, we have music. I mean, we we have a friend. I have a friend that wrote songs for it. So now we have songs with it. We didn't have songs with it in 2020. Now we have music um, to help express what we were what we were feeling. But the dynamics between us has changed because we've lived with um, the the diagnosis. I mean, the diagnosis was always there, even though we didn't know it. Right? It was always there. But you know, we've had three years at this point, right? Is that in my math, right? Because I teach theater. Uh, um, you know, it, it, that three years. So, and knowing the diagnosis and then, and, and so what does that mean um, three years later versus what it meant six months later or a year later? And, and it's changed. And of course he's become a teenager. When we did this show, we were looking back at the video and we did this show and he was shorter than me. Now he's taller than me. <laughs> so there's a lot of uh, nuances in that. Yeah, you've really lived with the show and it's really, it sounds like it's really changed. Yes. And I will also say that the answer to that last question, that really validates why I do solo theater. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, so you mentioned um, getting diagnosed in 2019. So Blaze, I wanted to ask you about that. What was that? Because I just went through that diagnosis process myself. What was that like for you? Mm um yeah um that okay 
so when I first, I, okay, I didn't like the entire diagnosis process, like going, having to go to like the doctors and doing like these weird tests, like, and actually in our original show, we addressed a lot of, um, how I got very irritated with going to the, to the doctors and doing all these tests because I felt like they were stupid um because in my mind they are stupid but I, I do understand now that they aren't dumb but yeah so um there were a lot of times that I got very annoyed with the process um I felt as though I didn't need to go through this because it was a lot of like, I remember one of the tests that I was given, they like told me to, how did they tell me to do? They told me to take like these blocks and like arrange them in a certain way. I don't even fully remember, um, but it was just a lot of weird activities that I didn't, it was just really annoying to do because they just, it was, constantly just more testing more testing more testing more testing and it was very yeah it was very irritating and i know i'm saying irritating a lot but it was that's how it really was it was very very annoying so yeah it's annoying and when you finally got that you know you finally got the diagnosis and they finally said hey congratulations you're autistic how was that for you yeah um for me, I was kind of, I was not exactly surprised. Um, I was more like, oh, oh, okay. I was like, I don't know how that makes me any different than everybody else, but I was like, all right, okay. And then, um, but then like we, they started like go, I, I, then I started doing some of my own research, which I kind of, um, actually ties into our show currently, but um, I started like, you know, looking up online, Googling stuff, because, yeah, and, um, and I started like looking up certain things and certain like symptoms of autism and that type of stuff. And I sort of like for myself started connecting the dots of, okay, that's why this is happening. That's why um, this is happening. And like the main, the main symptom that I, I see that um, that before I was diagnosed, I considered weird um, was my stimming. Um, and that was, it was, I always felt like that was just a weird thing I did. I didn't feel like it really had an explanation. And then I started like, when after I was diagnosed, I finally realized that there were other people who did, um, who do this kind of the same stuff. And um, I'm, I'm trying to find words here, hold on. Um, yeah. Less alone, for sure. Like it's, and, and having those explanations, like I know exactly what you're talking about because I stim too, I'll show you my favorite stim is talking to myself and it's really embarrassing because like I'll be doing it and I won't realize I'm doing it and people are like are you okay in there you know and so once I knew oh yeah this is just a thing that other autistic people do for me it was a big relief and it sounds like you got a little bit of that as well 
Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was relieving. Um, but I will say once I found out I was autistic, at the time, I think it was like going into middle school or like halfway through middle school. And people are very nice. And there was a lot of um, not bullying, but rather making fun of autism, like mm -hmm. making fun of it. Um, and not exactly directing it towards one person, but just making fun of the condition, I guess. And as I, um, when I was diagnosed, I, I, got, I got scared because I was like, what if they find out that I'm autistic? Will they start bullying me? And so, yeah, that was kind of something that I was really stressed out about throughout middle school, which didn't help because middle school was already stressful enough yeah. Um, yeah. So. I teach middle school. So I know about that, <laughs> but you know, it's interesting. Cause you just, you just talked about that fear, right. Of people finding out, but right now I'm sitting here interviewing you and your mom and your director. So you're really out and proud now about being autistic. Yeah. I mean, for me, if you're okay, like if you're going to judge me because I have a condition that I can't control, then I don't want you in my life anyways. Like, it doesn't really affect me if you're, I mean, if you're not a great person and you don't want to talk to me or you want to make fun of me because I have a certain condition, then I mean, I don't want you as my friend anyways because I don't like, I don't like being around mean people that make fun of other people because of something they can't control. And I, I am, I don't like, I don't walk around saying, hey, everybody, I'm autistic, because I, I don't say that, but if, if it is brought up and I am in a relationship, um, I will bring it up, like, I will sometimes say to people, like, listen, if, sometimes you may need to tell me what you're trying to say, because I won't be able to pick up on it, and that is probably, yeah. I am open about it though. I'm much more open than I was beginning coronavirus time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and awesome. I even and I even said this to them. Um, I think it was maybe a couple of weeks ago, you know, I said to them, you know, how you know, people people make fun of people, you know, who feel like they're different. But I said, what makes you think that the folks that are that are out here? are not on some sort of spectrum themselves. I mean, we all have something that, you know, that we are, that we're excited about and we we do things, you know, I may be driving, I think, uh, I think Chris Sachs, which is her husband, he asked the question, I think I was talking to myself in the booth the other day and he's like, is he talking to himself? Yeah, I was like, I'm talking to myself. You know, it's only way I can get this thing done, stupid thing. <laughs> so, you know, it's just I think that everybody is on at, at some point a, a part of the spectrum and we we are no different than anyone else everybody is is the same so I think that people just kind of get that in their notion oh they're they're autistic we could I gotta treat them differently no no yeah that's really awesome I love it and so you mentioned that this show 
it sounds like the idea maybe came before the pandemic, but then the show itself happened for the first time in the pandemic. So like, is this a pandemic creation? Is that when you both were really, or all three of you were really in the thick of working on it? Yes, at that point, yes. Because there was a whole plan that we were actually gonna go to Ireland to work on it. And then the mm -hmm. pandemic hit and we didn't go to Ireland to workshop it. And um, so, so everything changed. And that's when we brought Tyree on board after, during, like during the pandemic, because of course, one, we've worked together before, two, we trust him, and three, he was local. And so we couldn't do anything because we couldn't travel anymore. Um, but I think Tyree brought such an interesting perspective because he was able, because he knows us so well and knows all about both of us and, and then can also stand back and be constructive. Mm -hmm. I think that's useful. And, but he's also able to take our sensitive material and, 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 and protect it in a way that made us feel safe so that we could share and we could go to places we needed to go to emotionally and um and and, and about this topic and connection wise so um so yeah i mean it was born out of uh, you know the whole piece was created during the pandemic and now like i said it's when we sat down a few months ago saying okay we you know because of course we have other commitments other jobs and everything and we knew we were going to come back but then we were finally like, okay, now we, our, our plates are clear. We need to focus on this. It was like, okay, wait, look, let's look at our script. What are we doing? This doesn't yeah. apply anymore. We've, you know, we, this is, or not that this doesn't apply, but it's changed. It's, it's not the same. Um, he doesn't feel the same as he did when it first started. I feel differently now. And, you know, so that is how it, yeah, it morphed and changed. And how do we bring it? And, and then the challenge of saying, okay, well, it's always been viewed through the lens of the pandemic and virtual. Mm -hmm. So now how do we, you know, initially it was supposed to be live, but that got pushed aside. So how do we view it now and say, okay, we're putting this out in front of people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is this going to be the first live performance? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yes. oh my goodness and so okay next question i'm so i feel kind of honored and excited that you all came all the way from south carolina to san diego to do this show live so how did that come about um so that came about because when i came up with the um when i came up with the idea and i talked to blaze about it um I will say that um, our my institution, or this institution Tyree and I both are affiliated with at University of South Carolina, um, are are very supportive of, of our external work and our creative work and things like that. So there's a lot of grant opportunities. So when I came up with the idea and had proposed it, I went ahead and I you know proposed it to numerous uh, fringe festivals, and San Diego is one of them. Boulder International Fringe, which is the one we did virtually. And then we actually were accepted to the Capitol Fringe in DC. But then of course, COVID hit. And this was all supposed to happen in 2020. So we were supposed to hit San Diego, Capitol, and Boulder. Mm. And, you know, San Diego canceled, Capitol did. Boulder didn't cancel, they did their virtual one. And so um, with San Diego, they were just, you know, they were like, when you're ready, come. And so we were like, okay. And so we were able to, through getting accepted, to the festivals getting funding to be able to come and so this is sort of like you know like i said it was it was a grant that i was awarded in 2020 that is now finally being used that was able to be extended and everything and that was and that was nice. and i talk about that actually in the show a little bit about the grant i won't give it away but there was a little bit of um, um challenge regarding the grants which usually there's not but there was a little bit 
Mm. Just a little sneak peek. You yeah. gotta. <laughs> I love it. Okay, two more questions. First one I have to ask because I'm a musician, and you mentioned that like the show was written, and then later you added the music. So um, tell me about that. So um, I have um, a dear friend of me uh, of mine. Excuse me, um, Alex Lopez, and he um, he is um, a former. Well, he's a professor at Coastal Carolina University now in Conway, South Carolina. But I met Alex before Blaze was even an apple in my eye kind of thing. Like I met him in like I think 2006. And um, he was, I had a theater company in Lynchburg, Virginia. And I had gone to New York and hired like my core group of actors for the summer stock company that I had. And uh, Alex was one of them. And Alex and I have kept in touch throughout the years. Alex um, ended up you know, doing um, music directing on Broadway. Oh, wow. And yeah, and so he, but of course the pandemic hit him too and Broadway shut down. So he was looking, you know, where, what was he gonna do? And um, he made the choice to get into education and he and his husband um, moved to Conway. And we, we've always connected, but we reconnected in a way because he's there and we were like, what can we work on? So he and I will, are actually still working on a show. Like he's writing the music and I'm writing the, um, the book, but in the process, when we were looking at the show and, you know, on the spectrum, we're like, okay, what are we going to talk about? I was like, I went to Alex, I was like, you know, what if we had some music? Like, what if we did this? I mean, Blaze is musical theater trained. I'm musical theater trained. Like, why not add some music to it? And so he was like, okay, <laughs> that's a tall order, but okay. And so he said, okay, well, so we had to meet with him. We, we shared, you know, we shared the old version of the show that he was able to see. We showed him, you know, the, the script and we, he asked a ton of questions. He's like, if I'm going to do this, I need to know what you're feeling, what it is that, you know, you've been through so that I can help you navigate this musically. And I think he did a brilliant job. Um, the songs are just stunning. They're just, they really are. And they are, they, they literally were bore out of our personal feelings and our experiences. So it's, they're, they're just so, um, they're so authentic from us. Musically not, like he wrote them, but it just, it fits. The lyrics that he, he created based on what we told him, it all just, the, it, I don't know, when we heard his song and my song, and then we have a duet that we do together, they all just, encompass everything that we've been through and so it was it's a nice touch and it changes it changes it for us which is nice and it kept it fresh so it didn't feel like we were trying to reinvent the show we did in 2020 mm -hmm. it felt like having music allowed us to you know um, go to at it and look at it through a different lens mm -hmm. which allowed everything else to feel fresh too mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. awesome i love it blaze do you have a favorite song in the show well, <laughs> I have my favorite song, which is my song. Um, it is, I, I, I think that Alex did a great job with my song. He did, uh, he was just, he's very, very talented for sure. Um, and um, yeah, I, I don't want to spoil too much, but um, he, uh, in the song, it's very, it very, it connects to me very well, and I feel like it can connect to a lot of people. Um, 
on the spectrum or not on the spectrum um it's I think it's more of just a song that can connect to the the loners or the outcasts of of um, of kids my age. So, yeah. I love yeah. it. They, they're just uh, these songs are, are touching; should be touching to anyone that that's listening. Um, even though I'm not a a musical theater person, I'm like when that, when she said when she said music, I was like. I don't even have hair to pull. I was like, <laughs> but these songs are just like they—they. They, it's just like, oh, I f I'm feeling it. And then just to hear the the what they're saying is just—you can see it within them. I, I don't I don't see any difference. I think that what they're saying truly is a compliment to what they've what they've been through. Awesome, I love it. Okay, and here is my final question, and I'm gonna I'm gonna ask it to everybody. Um. So what is your advice for someone who might want to create a show of their own? Um, and then what's your advice for anybody who's directing? And if you have anything to add, especially about like working with your own family or working with the family, um, I would love to hear that, that advice. You wanna start? I, I, I can. Um, Go for it. Okay, so, whew um advice 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 um take things one at a time don't 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 like throw yourself into the deep end like don't um if like for example if you are if you're writing a show and you want i don't hold on can you go next? Give me a second. Okay. <laughs> I got give me a second. Give me a second. Um, okay. So I have actually my mass, my MFA was specializing in solo performance. And like you said, because it's just so much easier to just be the one person. <laughs> so um, I've done a, a number of solo pieces. And I think when it comes to devising work, it is um, when you're devising work, it has to be something that you care about something you're invested in, something that matters to you, something you believe needs to be told and you believe you want to speak about. Because once you jump into this deep end of the pool, like you're in it and it's like, you better be fully committed. You better, because if you're not, if you're on the fence, if you're like, I don't know if I want to do something, then you're not passionate about it. But find something that you are really passionate about, a story that you because here, I guess my thought is if you believe that it should be told, like if you feel like within your bones that this is something you need to share, then there's an audience for it because, mm -hmm. it, it, because it will connect, it will connect. But if it's only a surface level, like, oh, well, that's interesting, move on. Find the thing that, that just grips your soul because mm -hmm. that's the thing that, that people are going to want to hear about. Mm -hmm. I'm done. <laughs> We can go to Tyree, but we're still coming back to you. Oh, no. Um, yeah, so, um, hmm. <laughs> Tyree, can you go? <laughs> sure, sure. Um, I think that um, with creating work, it's what Mary Beth just said. It's, it's hard. You have to be truly in it to win it. Um, but I think that what you have to start doing is if you want to truly um, write something and that you're going to share it, then I would say, just write it, you know, don't try to worry about what you're going to say, how you're going to say, how it's going to fit into 
you know, what you're trying to put in, just write it, just start writing. And I guarantee you that once you start writing, you'll have several, several scenes just, just from that. And then you can go back and flush those things out. I, I talked to Mary Beth and we were talking at the beginning of the semester, I'm writing um, uh, my own piece. And that's what I'm doing now, just writing, just writing things out, just writing out, you know, my life experiences and, and trying to figure out, and then I'll go back later to, to do that. Now, directing my own piece? No, you definitely don't want to do the directing of your own piece. Um, and I think that's why they brought me in, as she said earlier, you know, it's just a different perspective uh, uh, and to concretely go, you know. Um, but even then, I think every, everyone has the ability to create something, whatever you want to do and how you want to do it, and how you get there, it's up to you. Love it. So now it's up to Blaze. Now it's up to Blaze. Oh my goodness. Um okay, so connecting to kind of what they both said with when writing a piece that you are very, very passionate about. Um, I mean you do have to be all the way in it, but you really have to when writing a piece, you have to dig deep. Like you can't just do little surface stuff. You have to go really deep into how you really feel. Um, I, when um, in this show, I'm gonna spoil a little bit, but not much. Um, in this show, uh, there's a portion where I stim. And in our original piece, um, that was very, very difficult for me to get to that point um, to show people what stimming is and what stimming is for me. Um, and it, it was, it's very difficult and I'm sure it's going to be very difficult to, um, these next couple uh, shows that we're gonna do to show people how, or what I do when I sting. And because it's not socially acceptable, like it's not, oh, oh, okay, it's you're, you're like, you know, you're, you're like in, you're twirling your hair, okay. No, it's like you're doing something that looks odd and like doesn't look, oh, that looks kind of weird. Like, and you really have to, uh, anyway, see back on track, you have to really just dig deep into what you're talking about because it the show won't be as um as emotionally impactful if it's just on the surface and it's just you're just telling a story it has to be like you have to show not to tell like it has to be yeah i mean I yeah I love it. And I, you know, I really, really appreciate your bravery and your willingness to be that vulnerable and share your stem on a stage in front of everybody. That's, you know, I bet you that there's going to be some other autistic people in the audience, kids and adults who are going to see that and just really resonate and really appreciate it. So thank you. And thank you for sharing that here today. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. So, okay. Well, the last thing I want to know is where can folks see the show? And I'll make sure to post a link to tickets and all that important stuff. But do you guys open today? Yes, open today at six o'clock, right? Six o'clock. Six o'clock. Are you guys in the Hitchcock or in the Centro? Centro. 
Okay, so today, 6 p.m., Centro Cultural de la Raza. You know what? I don't know. I tell you what, I'm going to make sure this is on YouTube today. Um, I'll share it on all the socials and all that stuff. Um, that That's going to be tomorrow, Saturday, that I get that done. But I'll make sure that it's on YouTube today so I can say, come see the show today, because I will be there. I'm so excited. Um, I'm so excited you guys came all the way from South Carolina here to San Diego. And um, everybody go see On the Spectrum at San Diego Fringe. It's going to be awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.